0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside D'Lu as we look back at K-State's 30-27 to victory over the Texas Tech Red Raiders, snapping a two-game losing streak and uh, getting the Wildcats feeling good here as we go into a, uh, a Senior Day showdown against the Iowa State Cyclones, uh, a 6 o'clock kickoff against the Cyclones. Uh, that will be on FS1, but let's first talk here about uh, the Texas Tech game and and get you uh, squared away uh, regarding that. Uh, it was a game that uh, K State, quite frankly, and Texas Tech didn't really do much offensively uh, in the first half, but uh, you know a 31 point uh, third quarter uh, with the two teams combined kind of got this thing back up to speed, and K State was able to make enough plays and. Uh, get uh, you know a key um, kick return from Josh Youngblood uh, in to uh, to get over over the hump here and get a thirty to twenty seven uh, victory over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I'm gonna bring in Lou now and uh, Lou When we look back at this game uh, for uh, K-State in this one, it was far from a thing of beauty. Um, however, K-State gets on the right side and, and breaks a nice little two-game losing streak.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a really funny interaction in the post game between uh, Kleiman and uh, an icon, D. Scott Fritschen.
0: Yeah. Uh, where, a noted Wildcat icon.
1: Yeah, where D. Scott asks something to the effect of, oh, he asked Kleiman what he thought about winning ugly. And Kleiman was like, what do I care about winning ugly at this point in the season? We have one game left. That, yeah. The object here is just to get wins. But, you know, it wasn't. I didn't think it was that ugly of a win. It wasn't a perfect game by any stretch. Sure. But at the end of the day, K-State goes on the road to Lubbock, Texas, which isn't an easy thing to do always, and escapes with a victory. Um, but I, on a night where K-State's running game wasn't very effective at all. And if K-State can get out of out of uh, town with a victory under those circumstances, I'm not looking to gift horses in the mouth at all. I'm, I'm taking that sure. win
0: and not apologizing for it. Absolutely, and you know I think one um, something that stuck out to me anyway, at least in this game, is something that we had um, had had previewed earlier. So, K State, uh, I had mentioned that Scotty Hazelton had had some success against Matt Wells and Texas Tech uh, with uh, being able to slow down his offense when he was at Utah State, when he was at, when Hazelton was at Wyoming. That was really not the case, uh, necessarily, uh, in in the uh, in the game overall. The first half, Texas Tech was able to move the ball a little bit, but then you know, hit hit a rut, uh, and you know whether it be with turnovers or just the drive stalling out. But Texas Tech had 512 yards of offense, uh, which is you know kind of what you expect from Texas Tech. So, the, but the defense did make enough plays. Uh, getting, uh, you know, pressuring Jet Duffy, I thought, you know, we say the same, get names every week it seems like, uh, but um, Wyatt Hubert, another great performance, I thought from him, he really flashed out to me uh, on on Saturday. What's, I guess, from the defensive side of the ball, even though Texas Tech – did rack up the yards. Some of that coming in a little bit unorthodox ways, but of course, with the fake punt.
1: Yeah, but they but they run five trick plays.
0: Yeah. You know, Two fake punts. Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of which was unsuccessful, one of which was very successful. Um, but when you look at what uh, this K-State defense did, you give up 500 yards of offense, but even then you don't really feel like it's, that this unit necessarily played all that bad. Do you kind of have that same opinion?
1: Absolutely. I mean, K-State, it almost looked like some of those K-State games of old where you saw Tech gobble up a lot of yards between the 20s, and then they had drives kind of stall out inside the 30, inside the 20-yard line, um, having to settle uh, for field goals or having to run fake punts or or do whatever there. Um, And then... Also, you saw some bugaboos that have been plaguing K State all year in terms of uh, the big plays on defense. Of course, that fourth down conversion um, that went for a long touchdown pass there later on in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, which was absolutely devastating. I mean, you K State, you can give up a touchdown in that situation, you cannot give up a fast touchdown in that yeah. situation. And that because yeah, that gave them a chance. I mean, they, I think that was just Lance Robinson and Wayne Jones' miscommunication on that coverage. Two freshmen and you expect
0: those kind of mistakes, but it looked like it was a bit of an inverted cover two where the um it looked like maybe the quarterback was supposed to fall back into the the, the deep half and the safety was playing up. But either way, Yeah, those guys just, just need to be in communication and not leave a
1: guy completely um unattended as he streaks down the field. And so not for nothing, but that was an absolutely devastating breakdown. And K State has had those throughout really? the year. Really? I mean, yeah. Almost in every game, you can point to one significant breakdown late in the game that it's just really cost K State. Now, luckily, K State was able to get the ball back on offense on Saturday, uh, grind out uh, a couple of first downs, and take the air out of the ball and expire the clock. But, um, you know, if K State goes three and out and punts the ball back, and Texas Tech somehow wins the game. It's it's that play on that blown coverage that we all would have been looking back, thinking, man, that was what happened against West Virginia. That was the third and fourteen against Texas. That's yep. that's just what's been killing K State all year.
0: Well, let's go ahead and look at what the offense did um, here as we kind of transition over into that. Now, offensively, you don't really feel like it was necessarily a smooth game. Like uh, like at this point of the season. I think the offense has started to play with a little bit more consistency than what we had seen, you know, early on in conference play with the first two conference games been it being really difficult to really get anything going on the ground and that left us in bad situations in, in two games that we we came up short again with with uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor. However, the offense still really isn't humming necessarily at the the rate that we would maybe expect to see on the ground uh, in particular. Only 126 rushing yards uh, on 37 attempts for a little over uh, 3.4 yards of carry. It seems to me like defenses are really just selling out against that run. And, uh, you know, with K-State, they were able to make Texas Tech pay. Texas Tech is one of the worst defenses against the pass in the nation and uh, they were able to make them pay enough with some big plays, the Shabash and Taylor, and uh, you know, also getting them having some pass interferences uh, down the field as well. So you have to look at what uh, this offense did in the second half and be somewhat encouraged about the, the production they were able to put up.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, at, at this point in the season, I think it's clear that just this offensive line is – just going to be challenged trying to get a push on defensive fronts. And that's what we saw again on Saturday. I mean, you talk a little bit about how Texas Tech, their pass defense is so bad, but, man, their run defense isn't very good either. And for K-State um, to go out and lay another egg uh, on the ground, you know, it wasn't horrible. They were they were able to do some things, but uh, 126 yards on 37 carries, that's 3.4 yards per attempt there. Um, that's just not going to cut it. That's not what this offense's identity is built around, Um, and it just left a lot to be desired on Saturday. And that's just probably going to be the mark on this season. I mean, we're deep enough into the season that I don't think things are going to all of a sudden start clicking in these last two games. But the biggest difference, I think, is that, number one, the wide receivers are stepping up. Shown is starting to become yeah. more and more reliable. Absolutely. Malik Knowles is on the field relatively consistently, although it seems like he's hurt, get, gets injured every other game at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but we hope uh, he makes a quick return. But guys like Wyking Gill, Sebastian uh, Taylor stepping up big on Saturday. Yeah, nice to see him get the action. Um, but, I mean, even. Wyking Gill, you take him, he had a drop touchdown pass that was right on the money mm-hmm. that game that, that really should have uh, added to K-State's point total. Uh, K-State ended up, I believe, suddenly for a field goal on that drive. Uh, so there's, I think, under the circumstances, it's hard to be too disappointed in the offense's performance on Saturday. I mean, you look at the total numbers and you think, oh man, uh, Tech out K-State by... Uh, 130 yeah. yards, but you have to remember, and people forget this, um, the K-State had one less drive on offense because they had the long touchdown kickoff return. Um, so no telling what K-State's offensive yardage could have been. Uh, but then a lot of that yardage is also negated by penalties, and sure. um, it doesn't get counted in the total yard mark. Uh, so it, it's a little deceptive, but I think
0: K-State's offense uh, played pretty well on Saturday. Well, let's talk about how they got that one Fewer possession uh, with the Josh Youngblood uh, touchdown return. This guy's obviously turned into a real weapon in in K State's offense, in K State's offensive game plan, and also with their special teams game plan. When you look overall at what he has shown here as a freshman. You made a really interesting point to me, and uh, I'd like for you to say it on the air about who his freshman season kind of resembles to you.
1: Oh, I just mentioned that the last freshman I can remember playing this well um, was Tyler Lockett, and as I'm looking at Josh Youngblood's season totals receiving, it doesn't—it's not really comparable. Um, Eight receptions for sixty oh, okay. yards. I, I didn't realize. This was yeah, stay that it's pretty. It's pretty slim there, but they're getting him more involved on jet sweeps, and uh, and getting him involved in that way. And also, of course, the two big kickoff returns he's had for touchdowns this year in the Texas game mm-hmm. and the um, game against Texas Tech. Uh, but and really, I think it's just that he's the first freshman wide receiver that K State's played. Sig- that's seen that's significant time. Yeah. Uh, certainly true freshman wide receiver, uh, with the exception of maybe Malik Knowles last year.
0: Mm-hmm. But... Um, and because I guess he's t- still technically a redshirt freshman.
1: Yeah. I forget
0: that every week that yeah. Malik Knowles well, so, has three years of eligibility yeah, left Yeah, which this is, is great, to, great to be in that situation. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that uh Green return because that was obviously a big play. You know, Texas Tech... Uh, just scored uh, to make it here. I want to get that pulled up. Um, believe that cut it down to a three-point game, if memory serves me correctly. Um, I'm getting that pulled up. Yes, they had cut it to 13 to 10 after we scored a touchdown on our opening drive of the first half. Second uh, half. Second half. Excuse me. And uh, Tech comes right back and scores. Get some of that momentum back, and uh, K State uh, promptly promptly uh, returns it to the house and uh, gets that back out to ten point lead. Obviously, a, a big return, but uh, it seemed like to me anyway that uh, Youngblood uh, tried. Uh, well, I don't think he tried to do this, but he almost uh, seemed like he amplified uh, the level of difficulty on that return uh, on his own. Uh, he, it was it was well uh, well blocked by K State, and he was able to hit the seam. Yeah, I mean it. it he, if you watch your replay, he
1: had such an obvious, easy. I mean, if he cuts that back, he can, he can just walk. He can backpedal to the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, he does an acrobatic dance along the sideline, um, kind of dancing with a blocker and uh, one last tech defender. Uh, but all in all, very impressive, and you got
0: to be excited for the young man from Tampa. Absolutely. Well. Um... Anything else you want to really say here on Texas Tech before we wrap this one up? No, just that I was
1: really impressed with Lance Robinson on uh, Saturday, with the exception of that one-blown coverage. But, man, he was he was playing yeah. really good coverage. I mean, it, 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 he was in really good position almost the entire night. Mm-hmm. And they were asking a lot of him, given that uh, what Tech did through the air, Texas Tech throws uh, 50 passes on the night. And a lot of them were targeted at the young man, Lance Robinson. And I thought he did a bang-up job for uh, most of the evening. So credit to the freshman, Lance Robinson.
0: No, I think that's a great point. That's a great point. Well, um, let's go ahead and look at Iowa State now. Uh, with the Cyclones coming in here off a win off of KU, they have won two of the. They've won their last two games uh, after dropping. Uh, two in a row to the Oklahoma schools uh, at home against Oklahoma State and on the road at OU, losing by one point. They get a last-second win against um, against Texas and then stave off KU in what was a high-scoring game on Saturday. Uh, they come in here at 7-4 in the Big 12, or 7-4, third of the Big 12, and uh, this is a team that really, I mean, if they get a few more bounces that go their way, they probably feel like they could be 10-2 and, and maybe having a chance to play uh, in the Big 12 championship game. But, uh, you know, they've, they've came up short in some, in some tight ones this season. What do you kind of look to see from the Cyclones uh, from, from the perspective of what you see with them offensively? I think that conversation has to start with Brock Purdy, who's really – um, has really turned himself into quite the player. Yeah, talk about a guy that's
1: exploded to the scene in the last uh, year and a half. Um, but you're right. I, I think it's the for the most part the Brock Purdy show in terms of the Cyclones offense. Just a guy who is, you know, he, he just reminds you of a guy like Todd Risi out there. Just a guy who can do a lot with his legs and is gonna. Beat you in a lot of ways, uh, just running the football and improvising there. But also, just is a guy who can take broken plays and uh, turn them into some big gains for Iowa State. I mean, it's just that anytime he drops back to pass, you're just sweating um, because he can escape pressure and do just figure out a lot of ways to hurt you.
0: Yeah, fourth in the in the country in terms of uh, yards throwing uh, on the season at a little over. Uh, 3,500 yards, um, 26 touchdowns uh, to nine interceptions. You also have to look at uh, a familiar face uh, that leads the Cyclones in rushing with Brees Hall, uh, the Wichita product, uh, as a freshman, uh, getting some significant playing time for the Cyclones. Boy, Uh, is that a guy that you'd like to have if you're uh a— K State right now. Oh, absolutely. And you know, he was a, a guy that uh, you know, of course, K State was was very interested in, and and uh, ultimately lost out to Iowa State on. But uh, having a really nice season. But they have a couple wide receivers or a couple uh, different running backs rather uh, that uh, that will get uh, get some action. And uh, it, you know, this is an offense that has moved the ball pretty well. Uh, in really all of their games uh, here down the stretch. And I think with when, when you look at it from the K-State perspective, uh, this K-State defense is going to have their work cut out for them.
1: Oh, absolutely. And especially, you know, giving K-State's difficulty uh, stopping the run. I mean, it, Purdy's a, a problem. But really, I think the, the bigger problem for K-State is Brees Hall because that's a guy that's um, just a very talented back, and Iowa State has... Uh, the hogs to help uh, him do what he wants to do. And so K-State's run defense, K-State's front seven, is certainly going to have its work cut out for him, trying to contain not only Brock Purdy on the ground, but also Brees
0: Hall running uh, out of the backfield. What do we think about uh, the Iowa State defense? Um, Obviously, it's been one of the better defenses in the Big 12 over, over the last couple years. Um, I know that uh, this year, you know, it, it maybe not as maybe lived up to their expectations for what they were expecting, but in terms of a defense, uh, I you know I know that they run a lot out of uh, out of a three-man front from time to time. Uh, that's a look that's given K-State some trouble. What do you kind of see with this Iowa State defense?
1: Well, yeah, Matt Campbell's just been. The leading innovator in terms of defense, I think he's kind of usurped Gary Patterson's throne um, in that regard uh, as the guy who all the other teams in the conference really try to emulate on defense just in terms of uh, what Iowa State does. And so, yeah, with Iowa State, you'll see uh, a lot of three-man fronts, which has plagued K-State's rushing offense this year, and I think that could be a big problem uh, for guys like James Gilbert and Jordan Brown trying to get going on the ground. Um, but their coverages are also uh, pretty tight, too. I mean, it's, it's a defense that, across the board, um, is, is really one of the premier units in the conference.
0: Well, um, let's go ahead and put our, put our K-State hats on here, so to speak, and say if we're going to figure out a way that K State wins this game against Iowa State, what needs to take place?
1: Oh boy, um, I think I really think it's just going to probably be on the back of Skylar Thompson in the passing game because I don't really foresee uh, K State's running offense uh, getting going. Um, that just seems to be the one constant over the last three or four games is that teams are just not going to let K State rush the football. Uh, so I would think that uh, Skylar Thompson uh, would have to have a very productive day. I did 14 of 28, got it done against Texas Tech. I don't know if it's going to get uh, it done against uh, a team like Iowa State, who's just a flat-out better team than Texas Tech is. So I, I would look for if K-State's going to get it done. I would expect a big day out of Skylar Thompson. Malik Knowles' status kind of questionable right now, mm-hmm. um, so it might require some of the secondary type wide receivers for K-State to step up. Guys like Philip Brooks, Joaquin Gill, Schoen should be expected to have a big day
0: and maybe another big day for Shabaston Taylor. Well, you know, like when we bring up Shabaston Taylor, that's a guy that, uh, you know, kind of gives a little bit different variety uh, to this wide receiver core. Really a, you know, a big bodied guy that's really more of a possession receiver than, you know, a deep threat guy. Uh, You know, like maybe a I guess Shone's kind of proven himself to be a, more of a deep threat, but still more of a out of the possession mold. You'd probably, you know, fashion him as. But uh, I'd like to see Taylor get kind of involved uh, more on some of those red zone looks, where uh, you, you're going to be able to, you know, throw it up to a big body there.
1: Well, of course, uh, that's what he did last season against Iowa State,
0: um, where he had yeah. a touchdown pass yeah, against did. Iowa
1: State and Ames last year. But if you watch that game against Texas Tech, that Taylor had kind of a nice game. Man, that. Uh, play where he ran a jet on the far side of the field running right to left mm-hmm. and it ended up being a pass interference it was a ball under thrown by Skylar Thompson uh, but that was a little hitch and go by uh, Chabaston Taylor and I thought he ran a pretty sharp little route there he did I was he pretty did. impressed because I always just kind of looked at him as a guy who was just a big body and wasn't you know, much of a route runner but that route he ran uh, that ended up with that defensive pass interference was pretty impressive well, let's get to prediction time. All right. Farmageddon on my birthday. How old are you turning this year, Icon?
0: How old am I turning? Yeah, I'm turning twenty eight years old. Man, wise beyond your years. You That's are. well, nah. I, those are very kind words, Dell. But uh, it, it, enough about me here. This is k State Iowa State. Uh, k State Iowa State in the uh, in their series history. 48 wins for K-State, 50 wins for Iowa State, four ties. K-State can, you know, inch that gap a little bit closer with a win on Saturday. Uh, And also avenge last year's epic collapse of the fourth quarter. Which was devastating for
1: both the program and for me personally.
0: Yeah, you you took it particularly hard. I I remember you were were in rough shape. Jack Trice Stadium, uh, I was
1: persona non grata. In the last, uh, as I walked out of that stadium, because there were a lot of people happy to give me my comeuppance, and I, they, I certainly had
0: it coming. Oh, so it was you were <laughs> fairly treated.
1: Yeah, they they treated me exceptionally justly. Okay, uh, at the end of that game,
0: huh? Well, so what do we think about this year's uh, Farmageddon showdown? Do we think Casey gets back on the right side, or does Iowa State make it two in a row? You know, Icon.
1: I've been thinking about this. You know, you can walk through all the, you can walk through this series and look every year something just insane happens. Last year was probably the most normal game that there's been in some time over the last 10 years with Iowa State. And that game involved like a 17 point fourth quarter comeback. Yeah. By the Cyclones. That's right. These games are just batty. Crazy. So, I'm, I'm saying it's another weird one this year. I'm saying K-State ends up on the right side of it. The score of twenty-eight to twenty-seven. All right. Okay. Iowa State roars back, scores a touchdown late in the game, goes for two, and biffs it. Biffs K-State it. by the grace of God escapes with a victory in Farmageddon, and all is right in the world again after last year's uh, stunning, um, you know, flash in the
0: pan by the Cyclones. Okay, so you're going 28 27 Kansas State. Yes. We see this one very, very similarly. We we often do. I'm going to go K State 27 24. So, pretty much the exact same game almost. Uh, and I called for a late uh, Blake Lynch field goal um, against Texas Tech, I believe, didn't I? Yeah, you had the margin of victory uh, pretty spot. Pretty much on. right, yeah. So. I'm going with uh, Blake Lynch getting the game winner this year, uh, similar to uh, Jack Cantelli back in 2015. Now, does it come on the heels of a couple uh, fumbles uh, from the Cyclones? Perhaps. Perhaps. I, I wouldn't rule it out. But uh, I'm saying State gets to win 27-24 against a good Iowa State team and uh, finishes the year at 8-4. and four.
1: You know, on paper, Icon – I think that this Iowa State team is probably a better team than
0: K-State. But working against that, the pattern. The pattern, man. I mean, (laughs) come on. We're we're talking about stuff that has been proven over an 11-game span at this point. It's just numbers. That's it. That's all it is. 3-2.
1: 3-2. Now we're one. Now does... I have a...
0: I don't want to... Terrify our listeners here. <laughs> okay. But we're going to win the next two. Obviously, Iowa State in the oh, bowl game. Oh, I know where this is going. Does it start over next year? I don't know. I haven't worked out the algorithm yet to quite figure this out. But do we lose to uh, whoever we played? I know we played Vanderbilt, but I think we played them the third game. let's say like Buffalo's in there and... Uh, you he's looking it up for us. Yeah, today. Buffalo's
1: our first game. And then the uh and then North Dakota. Oh. Not to be confused with North
0: Dakota State. Yeah.
1: Well, I think yeah, that would be a devastating start to the twenty twenty campaign if K State loses uh back to back home games against Buffalo and North Dakota.
0: Well, you know what? Maybe the maybe the pattern resets. Maybe it bumps up and goes four one four. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. One. Four. Yeah. Possible. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's just what happens. Who's to say? But yeah. well, that's a problem for next year. Yeah, that's that's we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So uh, I've got it 27-24. Dilu, you have it 28-27. And we are both riding with K-State uh, to get the win on a senior day in Manhattan. Dilu, anything else you'd like to add uh, before we wrap up the Iowa State preview? No, I just think that uh, this game uh, against Iowa State is the most important game of the season. You know why? Why is that, though? Because it's the next one. That's right. That's exactly right, and that's the kind of mentality you have to have uh, to be one and zero each and every day, in in on the football field and in life. That's right.
1: That's right. That's well put. It's well put. Good job, out of you. Whether you're grinding the whether you're grinding in the film room of the gridiron,
0: or whatever your occupation is, just remember to grind. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's well put. I I like that a lot. So, uh, folks, that'll do it here uh, for us. Uh, on the Texas Tech Review and Iowa State Preview portion of the short side option. After a short break, we'll be back uh, where D. Lou here will uh, give us another in the long line of illustrious Wildcat legends. And this one comes with a little international flavor. Oh, well, that's a tease right there, folks. And uh, we'll, of course, answer your questions in this week's Ask the Icon. Back after this. All right. Welcome back to this week's
1: edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Where Icon? We are now getting into a segment that we like to call this week's Wildcat Legend. An Icon. This week's Wildcat Legend is a wide receiver. He's a very tiny little person. A diminutive wide receiver, if you will. Yeah, of, sm- of small stature, but large in heart. Okay. He wore number 83 for the Wildcats. Mm. He was born in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay, the Tar Heel State. Who could I be talking about other than Brandon Banks? Now, Brandon Banks started his college career at Bakersfield College, where he was a renegade. There, Banks earned first-team All-American honors from J.C. Gridwire is an all-purpose player Mm. slash wide receiver. Now, J.C. Gridwire, of course. Yeah. Very prestigious publication. Absolutely. He was also named a prep star Juco All-American, and he helped lead Bakersfield to a number one national ranking, a 12-1 record on the season, and a berth in the Southern California Championship game. His 15 touchdowns that season set a school record. Then, enter FBS. Mm. Yes. The big leagues. Banks. The tra- show. The show. Transferred to Kansas State to begin the 2008 football season for then-head coach Ron Prince. Started catching passes from Josh Freeman. Mm-hmm. Bates became the second straight Wildcat to earn Offensive Newcomer of the Year accolades after, of course, Dion Murphy took home that honor in 2007. Um, he had one of the best seasons in school history for a JUCO wide receiver, and K-State had some notable JUCO wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so good for him there. Absolutely. He collected 67 receptions for 1,049 yards and 9 touchdowns. Um, Banks also contributed in the special teams, where he racked up 498 yards on 18 kickoff returns and had quite a year uh, returning punts as well uh, for 58 yards on 5 returns. He had a 98-yard kickoff return against Nebraska that season uh, and had 1,731 total all-purpose yards. So, quite a career for K-State, Brandon Banks had. But, after graduating from K-State is where he really took off. hmm Absolutely. Got drafted to the Redskins. Had a, just a stellar year in 2010 where he had eight receptions for 15 yards. Uh, also returned punts for uh, Washington as well. Hung around in 2011-2012 where he had uh, one reception and two receptions respectively. But then he went north. He became a Hamilton Tiger Cat mm. in the CFL. And that's where he's really made his hay. Uh, he's been with Hamilton since 2013 and just had some really impressive uh, impressive seasons there. In 2018, 94 receptions for 1,400 yards. But then 2019, this year, 112 receptions for 1,550 yards. Wow. An Icon, that notched him... The, CFO, the CFL's Most
0: Outstanding Player Award this year, which was awarded to Brandon Banks of K-State. How about that? So, you're telling me Brandon Banks goes from starring on the Gridiron in junior college, starring on the Gridiron at the collegiate level yeah, at Kansas State, mm-hmm. then uh, goes and plays for the Washington Redskins. Where he was a star. Where he was also a star. And then goes up north to Canada, America's hat. And um, wins most outstanding player here in 2019, his age 31
1: season. He was an outstanding player in California. He was an outstanding player in Kansas. He was an outstanding player in Washington. He was an outstanding player in Canada. Hell, he'd be an outstanding player anywhere you put him. I think that's absolutely right. And he was the most outstanding player in Canada. So pretty impressive, uh, pretty impressive there. Anything that sticks out to you in terms of Brandon Banks'
0: career, either with K-State or... Uh, Professionally, yeah, you know, he came to K State as, as you mentioned, uh, as a junior college player. There wasn't a whole lot of coverage necessarily um, regarding him. In, in that I recall, uh, he was kind of looked at as kind of an ancillary part of the recruiting, cl- recruiting class. And um, but he got in here. Uh, his, his first game against North Texas, he had uh, two touchdown receptions. Uh, served as a big play guy, and he was a big play guy. His His entire career. When you think about Brandon Banks, you think about great speed. And uh, while I mean, what was he five six, five seven? That he's listed at that might be generous even. Um, The guy could play, and uh, if he uh, was able to get a step on a guy, good night. Yeah, he'd he'd leave you in the dust. So, uh, but back when I look back at at a couple of his games, I look at that uh, with Iowa State on the mind, uh, of course, 2009. Uh, A big touchdown catch in in, uh, that memorable Farmageddon game at Arrowhead. So uh, he showed up in in some big games. And, uh, of course, uh, I mean, when you look up and down his his, uh, game logs, 156 yards against Oklahoma, 128 yards against uh, Missouri in 2009. In 2008, uh, 153 yards against Louisville, 127 yards against Louisiana, 140, 145 yards against Oklahoma, 116 against Iowa State. So he was a lot of our offense for a long time. Yeah, he Especially
1: was. in 2009, too, because you don't – I mean, that wide receiver record that year was – well, it had Lamar Brown on it, so yeah, it wasn't too shabby. No, um, of course not. But um, that Oklahoma game that year is when is the game that really sticks out for me in yeah, his career. Yeah, That was – That was, of course, the game that had that Daniel Thomas jump pass and just really, it was a
0: wild game. Yeah, and K-State, I mean, I remember they got down early, um, whittled their way back, uh, and it wasn't wasn't a great Oklahoma team that they were facing that day, but uh, I remember going into that game, I just wanted not to get blown out and not to have anyone get injured because we played KU the next week, and we needed, we, we could... Sustain a loss to Oklahoma as long as we were able to beat KU the next week uh, to keep uh, our chances at uh, a Big 12 North title alive, which uh, ultimately uh, we did not accomplish. But uh, obviously, a big game against uh, Oklahoma with, as I mentioned, uh, 156 yards, also a return to kick for a touchdown. Yeah. So,
1: so whether it's playing for the Cats in Manhattan or the Cats, the Tiger Cats in Canada. Uh, Brandon Banks was always getting it done, and that, along with his most outstanding player recognition, is why Brandon Banks is this week's Wildcat Legend. And now, Icon, like we are getting into a segment that we call ADI. That's right, where listeners can ask questions. The short-sighted options, very own Chris the Icon Sork, and he'll and I'll read them on the show, and he'll he'll give you his answer the best he can, and just like he always does. Um, Listeners can submit their questions to the short Side option uh, via Twitter uh, by tweeting them at us at T-S-S-O underscore podcast or using the hashtag AskTheIcon. Or, as we've seen recently and we continue to see, listeners can submit their questions via telepathy or uh, by writing them on a piece of paper and forming them into paper airplanes and throwing them out your window and hoping they reach us. That's right. So, um, however you want to do it. An Icon, Uh, this week's first question comes from listener Tyler H at TH8 underscore. All right. Tyler asks, who are your top five college basketball announcers?
0: Oh, top five? Um, Okay, so um, I will get this list started off with with Kevin Harlan. And this is in no particular order because we're going to go both play-by-play guy and uh, color commentators. We'll go Kevin Harlan. We'll go Bill Raftery, who uh, was on the call of the K-State game tonight. And I uh, should point out that Tyler
1: uh, gave a shout-out to Mr. Raftery and his Oh, absolutely. Uh,
0: you can't get much better than Bill Raftery. Um, I also, you do a pretty good Raftery impression, but Well, we, we might get to that a little bit later. Uh, but then I will go ahead and say um, I'm a big Sean McDonough fan. I think he does a great job calling games for ESPN. And... Um, I'm trying to think who else. In terms of some of the guys that we see on a pretty regular basis, I think Robbie Hummel does a pretty good job uh, as a color commentator. Uh, former Purdue uh, Purdue great up there uh, in Boiler Country. And then uh, for a guy that does a lot of Big 12 games is uh, John Shammy, old boog. And I think he does a great job. I'm obviously familiar with him on a Major League Baseball broadcasts. Uh, so there's my top five. Oh, that was a very good question and very good answer. By the icon.
1: Tyler has a trio of questions this week, and his second question reads as follows Thanksgiving is this week. Some say it's the best holiday. Let's talk Thanksgiving dinner. Do you keep your food separate? Or is it mostly all together with gravy spread
0: across? Um I try to keep my food somewhat separate, but if, if some gravy gets spilled over, yeah, that's no big deal. You're not you're no. not whining about no, it. No, absolutely not. That's the gravy, man. <laughs>
1: hey. Load me up, man. <laughs> Uh, Tyler's third question this week on his uh, uh, edition of 3 and Out. Uh, He asks, do you, or Del, have any good Thanksgiving backyard football stories? Maybe out in the yard with the cousins imitating Aikman to Irvin? You know, nothing too crazy
0: from a a turkey bowl uh, um, standpoint as far as I am concerned. How about you, Del? Oh, yeah. I sent my cousin Doug to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no kidding. Spe- what would you do to Doug? speared his ass. That's awesome, man. So uh, can you set the scene for me a little bit? Yeah, uncle,
1: uncle Derek was playing quarterback. Okay. He drops back, throws a hospital pass right over in the middle. Uh, Doug doesn't see me coming
0: in and... not I'm not laying up. Wow. Yeah. So uh, how, how has, has... Form tackled. Has uh, your and Doug's relationship suffered any ill consequences due to that? You know, we kind of...
1: No, I mean it's. I haven't really talked to him much over the years, but he knew who I was that day. My, I let my, I let my shoulder do the talking.
0: Yeah. Is he still? Uh, is he still having kind of bonding headaches? <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, I think he's probably still hearing footsteps every okay. okay. he runs around over the middle. Well, hey, don't, uh, don't come down the center field uh, in the Lewis family turkey bowl and, and not uh, be expecting to get greeted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, up India. All right. Next question comes from listener Trim
1: at Trim Goema. Trim asks Casey seems like Tempty's Iowa State. Now, always whining about the opponents and officials jobbing him. And maybe they are. Which others on the aisle are representative of Big 12 teams or their fan base? Who is the K State of Temptation Island? Mm. All right. So, just to set the stage, I guess. Trim is comparing Casey to Iowa State because Casey, of course, as our listeners surely know, took to social media this week and started um, whining about how the producers uh, they are were treated very unfairly. And I
0: kind of agree with them. I think they, they, them I think they were treating them unfairly.
1: Yeah. And of course, Iowa State uh, talks about how how unfairly they've been treated over the years. Mm-hmm. So, are there any other Big Twelve teams that you compare to the cast? You know,
0: not not really offhand. The one that did kind of jump out uh, when you you read this to me is, like, so I'm going to couple the the couple together and compare them to one school. So, uh, Sonica and uh, Gavin. Sonic and Gavin. Yeah. Uh, I think they're kind of like West Virginia because they're just kind of forgettable. You know, like, and that's nothing against our folks in in West Virginia because I I have nothing but fondness for uh, the country roads in West Virginia, but... They're a little bit out of the way. They're, you know, they're just not... They're new to the conference. Yeah, they're, I can They're, see that. they're just not... They're just, they just don't maybe do a lot for you. Uh, I have one. Okay, go ahead.
1: I would, maybe I compare Texas to David a little bit. Yeah. Because up front, he makes... You think, oh, man, this guy's no joke. It makes a great first impression on... you on, made a great first impression on Kate, of course. Yeah, And then uh, for certainly a good first impression on some of the... Temptress is on the island, mm-hmm. but then you peel back the layers a little bit, and nothing's there. Yeah. I mean, every, we heard Texas is back for an entire off season. Yeah. Then you peel back, and, man, they're staring down the barrel of a six-win
0: season. Yep, they sure are. So, uh, well, that, that's a good good job there by
1: you, Dell. Hey, yeah, it's a great question by Trim. He
0: always does a good job. He always does. He always brings it strong. And did, now, did he ask, uh, was there a second part to that? Uh, no. He asked who the K-State of Temptation
1: Island was, but, you know, nobody's really jumping out at me.
0: You know, let me kind of continue. New you know, this. maybe Ben. I was gonna say Ben a little bit too. I was kind of the scrappy underdog who kind
1: of kind of keeps just grinding, keeps pounding the stone, man. <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Yeah, he pounded the stone, and look at that—he's he, right up there competing for the equivalent of a conference championship. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think it's even maybe a con- I mean, yeah, I I'd say an outright conference title, and uh, maybe get a conference <laughs> championship. Uh, you know. Title game victory, get to a BCS bowl game, man. Well, not a BCS bowl game. I guess New Year's Six now is the terminology these days. Dude, I have another one. (laughs) Oklahoma is uh, KB. (laughs) Just a juggernaut. (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe. Just a force. You would have said maybe Texas back if you did this about eight or nine years ago, where they're just kind of bossing everyone around, telling everyone what's what. But now, maybe Oklahoma, maybe where's that, uh, where's that, uh, where's that, uh, where's that title? That's right. Um, I
1: think, oh, we have a, do we have a question from our, from our studio audience this week? Yes. Oh, come on up.
0: Oh, well, hello. This is, is, is Sarah.
1: Oh, big Dog. <laughs> big big dog, dog. in Madison.
0: A.K.A. PDIM. Hey, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. And I have a question for the icon. Okay. With bowl season approaching, if you could create your own bowl game, what would it be called, who would sponsor it, and where would it be located? Wow. that's very, So, now what was this again? Where is it? What's it called? What's it called? Who's sponsored? Who would sponsor, okay. and where would it be located? Okay. I that's love it. it. That's, that's a, a lot. great question. That's a lot to think about. Well... <laughs> Uh, when I was working back at West Star Energy, I okay. said we—I I wanted to pitch that idea to corporate about actually put being a title sponsor for a bowl game. Okay. How hard? How? I mean, so how? You can invent it a really bowl be? game, really. How, yeah. How much money does it really? cost? You need cost? to rent out a stadium, and I guess. Oh, well, ESPN puts them all on pretty much, and you just pay ESPN for the naming rights, I guess. Right. I don't know. A lot, a lot of those are anyway, but uh, t- so I would want my bowl game to To be kind of a a solid mid tier one. I don't want it. I'm not trying to upset the Apple Card. I'm not trying to, you know, upstage the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or any of these you know bowl games that are institutions. Um, so what I would say is I would have it. Um, I have it right here in the state of Kansas. Maybe. Um, Trying to think where I'd want to have it at. So is West Star sponsoring? No, West not sponsoring. No. Oh, okay. uh, we're <laughs> the, the, sh- the short side option podcast is is the is the title. Oh, sponsor. we're sponsoring one. Yeah, I mean, all right. Why not? You know, we can get a couple more clicks. I think we'd be the first podcast more... to sponsor a bowl game. It's a frontier that we should maybe. consider. Hey, for the brand, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're gonna have it. Uh, this bowl game will take place. Um, I'm trying to think of where a good spot. I was thinking maybe Cessna Stadium in Wichita, Kansas.
1: Yeah, you can do there. You can do
0: Kansas Speedway. I think that's an idea. right Your there. eyebrows just shot through the ceiling. So the short side option podcast bowl. Um, this the short side option podcast sunflower bowl. From inside the infield of the Kansas <laughs> Speedway. <Bowl. laughs> that's a great idea. Because it's a. It, I mean, that would be Kansas. I mean, that would be a campus address.
1: You know, and a lot of our detractors would say, hey, doesn't it make a lot more sense to play out at Sporting Park? And
0: we'd say, and I, oh, no? I don't really think so. <laughs> I, I think we're looking to, We need 150,000 capacity here. Yeah, or absolutely. <laughs> and all these seats are just prime real estate for a bowl game that you're going to be. that's going to feature maybe... Um, maybe Miami of Ohio. Maybe, well, no, I was thinking maybe like... Well, I think I was hoping maybe we can get a tie-in maybe to the Big 12 and maybe like the Pat. Uh, what I'd like to see maybe is a Big 12... Uh, Big Ten bowl matchup. Because I don't think that there are any Big Ten, uh, Big 12 bowl tie-ins. And if there are, I think there's only one. I can't remember the last we time had, we played a
1: Big Ten team in a bowl
0: game. Yeah, and I, I was looking at that because I was thinking... Was it know, '03? 3 Yeah, that, I mean, that had nothing to do no, with No, but it, I mean, now. is that the last time we played a yeah. Big Ten team in a bowl Well, bowl? no, we played Michigan in the wild. Of course, baseball. yeah. But um, I don't think that... I don't think that the Cheez It Bowl, which you know was the next one after, you know, just kind of took it took over the the B Dubs Bowl. I don't think that they have those same tie-ins anymore. So, I think that that would be a nice little matchup, getting uh, kind of a a Big Twelve, a Big Ten uh, matchup right here in the, in the Heartland. Yeah, what a great question. That is that that's top shelf right there. Good job. Good job. And, Good job, and that, and that also pits us against, you know, our Big Ten correspondent over here. That's right. So, uh, you know, potentially, you know, a full-on preview there uh, with uh, with Big Dog as she uh, she gets us squared away there with what the Big Ten has to offer in uh, this annual uh, showdown in uh, in the middle of the infield of the Kansas Speedway, in the heart of America. That's right. All right. Our next question comes from listener David Sabin at Sabanation.
1: David asks, "Hey, Icon." What's the deal with Bruce Weber teams and free throws? Don't they practice them? He says, I remember when I played GABL basketball, Coach Barnard made me shoot 100 free throws after practice before I could leave. Maybe
0: Bruce could learn a thing or two from Coach B. Well, the free throw shooting tonight was... It's easy to point the finger at that, so that's why we lost. and I won't argue anyone that says that. KCL left quite a few points to the line. I think, I mean, honestly, I have never seen... That bad of a shooting performance from the line in a in recent memory. I'm going to pull it up here just real quick. Uh, K-State um, shoots 23% from the line. Uh, that is good for um, 3 of 13 from the line. Wow. And um, conversely, we're 10 of 20 from three-point range. Go figure. Yeah. So, but no free throws were a huge factor in tonight's tonight's loss, and um, something got to get corrected. I, I don't. I don't. The only way to do it is just to keep shooting. So I don't. I don't know what to, What else there needs to be said? Yeah, <sighs> man, brutal. Epitome of brutality. That's right. Uh,
1: our final question asker this week is listener Stevezy. Stevezy asks. Well, he has two, he has two questions. Oh, okay. One he submitted via. Telepathy. Okay. All right? Uh, and what I'm feeling that he asked was, which one of K-State's uh, assistant football coaches has been your favorite this year? Oh. He I I think he left it pretty vague in terms of okay. just your favorite. That
0: doesn't necessarily mean the best coach. It yeah. doesn't mean the most anime. It's just which one have you enjoyed the most? Okay, I'm going to have to go with Scotty Hazleton. Because I think he's the best of, of the assistant coaches that I've seen so far. And uh, I think he, I think I like the toughness that he brings. And I think he brings a good presence to the sideline. So, and he's got... I, hey, fear, I, fear the beard, man. I, I was going to say I'm a little bit uh, intimidated by his beard. And, and I think for good reason. I, I, I fear it. Yeah, and, he does. Uh, he, but he's done a great job this year with the K-State defense. And... Uh, Hope for big things from him, uh, you know, as he continues uh, his time here at K-State. All
1: right. And our final question, uh, this one was submitted um, in writing from Steve Z. Steve Z asks, which 90s sitcom characters do these three people remind you of? Oh, okay. All right. Number one, Bruce Weber.
0: Bruce Weber. um, I'm going to say, golly, that's tough. Um... I'm gonna say Uncle Phil, from the yeah. Fresh Prince. You know, it's a guy that has to keep everyone in line. You know, Uncle Phil was a judge, of course. A judge, you know, a man of honor and great respect, and uh, you know, does a great job of, of nurturing and and mentoring uh, both uh, Will and Carlton. See, I think
1: I, if it were me, this was S. D. DeLuca. Yeah. I think I would say he kinda reminds me of Mr. Belding a little
0: bit. Mr. Belding, I I think that might actually be even better. You know what I mean? He kind yeah. of a goofball, but gets gets action done and, he, and and he and he's always there for his for his kids. You know He does a good he,
1: job in that school.
0: He does. Bayside high, baby. That's right. Uh, Chris Kleiman. Ooh, Chris Kleiman. Hmm. You know, I'm gonna say Tim Taylor. Tim the toolman Taylor. Oh, good one. You know why? Because he's just a solid everyday kind of guy. He doesn't mind Little DIY DIY projects around the house. Uh, I can just see climbing Don in some flannel. Yeah, hammering, uh,
1: building a new deck. Yeah, absolutely. I think you do a hell of a job. And uh, finally,
0: uh, your co-host, me, D Lou. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm trying to think here. Who would be a good one for you? Well, first, uh, I, I've got mine for you, but i want to wait to. I want to hear what you have to say for yourself. If you had to, if you had to, uh... I'd say probably. Fonzie, the Fonz. Oh, this '90s sitcom character, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. I was gonna go uh, more like Bart Simpson. Oh yeah. It's always always a uh, you know a little bit mischievous, always witty. Don't have a count, man. <laughs> Look at this guy. And I know how much you like The Simpsons too. I, so. I do like The Simpsons. So. Well, Icon, do you have anything else before we uh, wrap this show up? No, uh, I don't. I think it's going to be a, uh, a great game on Saturday. Of course, K-State, Iowa State. Uh, should be a, uh, It's going to be a great matchup. Um, hope to see everyone out there at the bill, and uh, hope that we can get this uh, season closed out with a W. All right. And, uh, from the short side
1: option, uh, to you listening at home or in your car, wherever you may be, have a nice
0: Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, you, as you may be listening to us as you're uh, driving uh, to and fro uh, from uh, Thanksgiving and, and or wherever you're going uh, over this uh, over this week. Uh, drive safe and uh, don't forget to email. That's right. And don't let uh, any crossing routes over the middle go unpunished. That's right. That's, the that's what I'm I, I gotta. going to have to kind of walk a little bit on my tiptoes around this place, man. <laughs> my head's always going to be on a swivel. Yeah, dog. watch out. All right. Well, folks, that'll do it here for us on the Short Side Option. Thanks for listening. Go Cats!